لله نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونعوذ بالله من شرور انفسنا ومن سيئات اعمالنا من يهده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له واشهد ان لا اله الا الله وحده لا شريك له واشهد ان محمدا عبده ورسوله صلى الله عليه وعلى اله وصحبه ومن تبعهم باحسان الى يوم الدين يا ايها الذين امنوا اتقوا الله حق تقاته ولا تموتن الا وانتم مسلمون يا ايها الناس اتقوا ربكم الذي خلقكم من نفس واحده وخلق منها زوجها وبث منهما رجالا كثيرا ونساء واتقوا الله الذي تساءلون به والارحام ان الله كان عليكم رقيبا يا ايها الذين امنوا اتقوا الله وقولوا قولا سديدا يصلح لكم اعمالكم ويغفر لكم ذنوبكم ومن يطع الله ورسوله فقد فاز فوزا عظيما اما بعد فجيبرادر انسستر ان اسلام ان شاء الله تعالى over the next two or three or perhaps four weeks we will be dealing with a very important topic the topic of marriage and the topic of problem solving within a marriage and then the topic of divorce and the reason that we have chosen to speak on this is because we have observed that there is a great need for it in the community indeed if an individual was to spend 24 hours of the day advising people on these issues it would not be sufficient in order for us only in our community to be able to serve the community in these areas we would need a minimum of three or four people who work around the clock in order to provide that service that is required so we see that it is extremely important for us to talk about issues pertaining to a nikah or marriage and therefore i advise each and every one of you young and old married and unmarried to listen and to listen carefully and perhaps you have questions after that which you can pose on an individual basis we want to talk about this issue so that we can clarify many misconceptions that exist amongst us we want to talk about this issue so that people realize the importance of marriage and people realize how they should live a married life and people should also learn what to do in case they cannot they cannot find any resolution and they have to divorce thereafter so we begin by saying wabillahi tawfiq may allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make it easy for us we begin by reminding ourselves that nikah or marriage occupies a very very high rank in islam how could it not when nikah or marriage is a command of allah and it is a command of the messenger muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam Allah Subhanahu wa ta'ala says in the Quran وَأَنْكِحُوا الْأَيَامَ مِنْكُمْ وَالصَّالِحِينَ مِنْ عِبَادِكُمْ وَإِمَائِكُمْ إِنْ يَكُونُوا فَقَرَاءَ يُغْنِهِمُ اللَّهُ مِنْ فَضْلِهِ وَاللَّهُ وَاسِعٌ عَلِيمٌ Allah Jalla wa Ala says marry the unmarried among you and the righteous of your slaves whether male or female if they should be poor Allah will enrich them from his favors 
Allah is bountiful and knowing. Also, we're all aware of that famous hadith, that hadith of the Prophet وسلم, when he was addressing a group of youth, a group of unmarried young men, and he said to them, Ya Ma'ashar al-Shabaab, Man istata'a minkum ulba'a zatal yatazawwaj, fa'innahu aghabu lil-batar wa ahsanu lil-farj, وَمَنْ لَمْ يَسْتَطِعْ فَعَلَيْهِ بِالْقَوْمِ فَإِنَّهُ لَهُ وِجَابٍ So the Prophet alayhi salatu wasalam addressed that group of youth telling them that let him who can afford marriage marry for indeed it helps lower the gaze and guard the chastity and let him who cannot afford it fast for fasting fasting is a repression of desire for him and if we look to the ahadith of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam we will find many similar texts, all of which, in all of which the Prophet urges the Muslims, the youth, and others than the youth as well, he urges them to marry. And as we said, this is from the Sunnah of the Prophet and actually it is the Sunnah of, of all the Prophets, as Allah tells us, وَلَقَدْ أَرْسَلْنَا رُسُلًا مِّنْ قَبْلِكَ وَجَعَلْنَا لَهُمْ وَجَعَلْنَا لَهُمْ أَزْوَاجًا وَذُرِّيَّةً Allah Subhanahu wa ta'ala addresses his messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam telling him and we have surely sent messengers before you and granted them wives and offspring as for it being the sunnah of the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and this is very clear as we find in many of the statements of the Prophet alayhi salatu wasalam. In one of the ahadith he says, النِّكَاحُ سُنَّتِي فَمَنْ لَمْ يَعْمَلْ بِسُنَّتِي فَلَيْسَ مِنِّي وَتَزَوَّجُوا فَإِنِّي مُكَافِرٌ بِكُمُ الْأُمَمَ يَوْمَ الْقِيَامَةِ The Prophet alayhi salatu wasalam said in that hadith, marriage is a sunnah of mine. In other words, it is a practice of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasalam. And whoever does not follow my sunnah, is not of me. In other words, the person who does not follow the sunnah of the Prophet alayhi salatu wasalam, he has chosen a path other than that of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasalam. That person is not on the way and not on the guidance of the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wasalam. As for what we see today of bachelorship, in other words, people choosing to abstain from marriage, people choosing to remain single, and what we see are people practicing monasticism and what they call celibacy, then all of this is in contradiction to the teachings of Islam. All of these are unnatural practices, no matter how much people try to force them on others, no matter how much people try, uh, try to justify them. As a matter of fact, this issue of celibacy, this issue of monasticism, then all of us are well aware of that famous hadith, that hadith of the three men, who went around to the homes of, of the Prophet وسلم, asking his wife about how he worshipped Allah After they had gathered all that information, he thought that it was little, and then they discussed amongst themselves that how is it that we could attain a status as high as that of the Prophet So then, while discussing with one another, one of them said, As for me, then I will fast each and every day. I will never let a day, a day go by except that I observe it fasting. Another of them said that as far as I am concerned, then I will stand in prayer at the Hajjud, I will stand in prayer each and every night and I will not eat during the night. And as for the third one, 
He said, I would abstain from women. In other words, I will not get married. When this news reached the Prophet وسلم, then instead of being happy and pleased that these men wanted to devote their lives solely to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, then rather he was angered. He was not pleased with what he heard. Not that what these men wanted was evil in and of itself, but this being is a very practical being. Allah Taala does not expect us to be monks. We all have natural desires that need to be fulfilled. We have to eat and we have to we have to drink and we have to we have other desires that we would like to fulfill that can only be fulfilled with our wives. Men have need, men have need and they cannot be ignored. So the Prophet Ali he summoned them and he asked them, Is what I heard from you correct? Is this what each of you has said? And when they admitted to that, then the Prophet informed him that he is the most God-fearing of them to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He is the one who knows Allah the best and he fears Allah Azza wa Jal and keeps his duty to Allah ta'ala in the best manner. In other words, what you are doing is not of any benefit to you. What you are doing is against what I am doing. And he clarified that by saying to them that he fasts sometimes and he breaks the fast at other times. He clarified it by telling them that he sleeps a portion of the night and he remains awake a portion of the night in prayer. And he also informed them والسلام, that he married women. That he married women. As well, one time, the Prophet وسلم, observed the wife of Rasman ibn Madrun he observed her and saw that she was messy in the way that she was dressed. She did not take care of herself. So he asked his wife, Aisha radiallahu anha, what's the matter with her? And eventually Aisha radiallahu anha brought the news back to the Prophet وسلم, from that woman that yes, she is married, but her husband is ever so busy in worshipping Allah during the night in prayer and spending the day fasting. And so the Prophet وسلم, was not pleased with this and he opposed Rahman and he said to him, Are you doing this because you dislike my sunnah? And that so the Prophet shows that being or getting married, getting married is from his sunnah, it is from the way of the Prophet. So anyone who claims that they will attain righteousness, that they will be closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala by staying away from marriage then they are gravely mistaken because they have gone against the sunnah of the Prophet And in reality, if we look at the institution of marriage, we will find that there are many benefits in it. Benefits to the individual as well as benefits to the society. As far as benefits to the individual are concerned, we will go through them, inshallah ta'ala, as quickly as we can. Amongst those great benefits that a person will attain from marriage, that marriage helps him to preserve and safeguard his faith and his religion. After all, do we not see that two individuals, if they get married for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, if they are righteous individuals, then they assist one another, they help one another, they support one another, they encourage one another towards the obedience of Allah jalla wa'ala, and they deter one another from showing disobedience towards the Creator jalla wa'ala. And the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam he actually referred to marriage as being half of the deen or half of the faith when he said, Man tazawwaja faqad istakmala nisqa al-eeman falyastakillaha bin nisqa al-baqi So he said, alayhi salatu wa salam, anyone who gets married, then he's completed half of his faith. 
and let him fear Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala regarding the other half as well from the benefits of marriage that the individual will attain is that it will help preserve that individual's chastity as we said Islam is a very practical religion we know that men and women are attracted to one another a man likes to be with a woman and vice versa we have this natural desire in ourselves Allah Jalla wa'ala he has created us in this way and if we do not marry if we do not marry then what is going to happen what's going to happen to us is what has happened to the um, to the umam of the kuffar. Look at the disbelievers and look at the way that they live. They live like animals. You will find that zina or adultery will become widespread. You will find that rape will become widespread and so on and so forth. There will be a great deal of destruction in, in society if the people do not observe marriage. And as we said, the chastity of the people will not be preserved. As well, people who get married, they will enjoy love and mercy and security like nobody else. And the reality is love and mercy, these are two parts of a person's life that are very, very important indeed. It's something which really lifts a person's quality of life, if you will, for them to have that love and mercy in their lives. And through marriage, a person undoubtedly will attain this. How could he not? When Allah Taala says it in the Quran, وَمِنْ آيَاتِهِ أَنْ خَلَقَ لَكُمْ مِنْ أَنفُسِكُمْ أَزْوَاجًا أن خلق لكم من أنفسكم أزواجا لتسكنوا إليها وجعل بينكم مودة ورحمة إن إن في ذلك لآيات لقوم يتفكرون الله جل وعلا himself tells us that among his signs is that he created for you from yourselves spouses that you may dwell unto them and he set between you love and mercy surely in that a great sign for those who reflect and indeed a husband and wife experience a sense of closeness that is indescribable. Allah Taala even refers to it in the Quran when he says, Hunna lakum wa He says they are a garment for you and you are a garment for them. Think about how Allah refers to this bond of marriage. We used to dwell unto them, and he refers to the spouse, the spouses, and he says that they are to one another like a garment. Why does a person retire to his or her home? Why do we wear clothing? It is for us. It is because we find comfort in that. It is because we find protection in that. It is because there is a cover in it for us. This topic alone, we could go on for so long on it. However, it suffices us to say that two people who get married with the proper intention for the correct reason that they will find this love and this mercy between them. They will find nothing but contentment between them. They will find that each of them is able to console the other and give one another reassurance and they will be able to, uh, to support one another very well. As well, many people don't think about it, but by getting married, people are able to earn great rewards with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. For as in the statement of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, At one time, the some of the companions of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam came to him and they complained that the wealthy amongst them were running away with all of the rewards. And the Prophet alayhi wa told them that no, you also have a way that you can check up to them. And he mentioned to them many different acts of charity that they could do many different acts that they could do through which they could catch up with the wealthy who were giving sadaqah uh, or charity and they were supporting them. And so amongst the things he mentioned was this phrase in which he said, in one of your private parts, 
بإذ الصدقة بإذ charity and when they ask the Prophet عليه الصلاة والسلام how is it that by having intimate relations with our spouses we will have committed a charitable act that we will have done something in order to attain reward from Allah and the Prophet he asked them that rhetorical question he said to them that do you see that should you have a desire and then you fulfill that desire with someone who is haram to you if you went and committed adultery would you be held accountable for that would that be considered a sin against you and he said of course this would be the case so he said Similarly, if you go and put it where it is lawful for you, then it is an act of charity. In other words, you will attain benefits from that. So through marriage, a person can increase his or her good deeds, his or her hasanat. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make it easy for us all to marry and to marry for the right reasons so we can all attain these benefits. As far as the society at large is concerned, then there are many benefits that return to the society if the people marry. And amongst the obvious benefit is that the human race is preserved. For Allah has made it from the law that in order for us to reproduce, in order for, for the human race to continue, then we have to reproduce. And the only lawful way, and I repeat, the only lawful way for us to reproduce is through marriage. Uh, and also through marriage the rights of the people are, are protected whereas the people start to reproduce outside of marriage then there is a great deal of corruption and a great deal of destruction uh, that spreads throughout the land also through marriage there is the preservation of ties of kinship because when people marry they cooperate with one another families get to know one another and then they show kindness and they show righteousness towards one another and as we said that through marriage the society is protected from all types of mor- morality, such as Azina or Riyadh Billah, and they are also protected from all types of dangerous diseases, such as AIDS and other uh, diseases that they refer to as sexually transmitted diseases and so on and so forth. So in marriage, we can see that there are indeed many benefits for the individual as well as, as, well as the society. And one of those very big benefits that we get out of marriage as a society is that when people marry, then they establish families. And we should all be aware that the basic building block, the basic unit of any society or community is the family and not the individual. And by us establishing families, then we establish a very, very healthy environment for child rearing. As for these societies in which marriage is not important, in which the children are born out of wedlock, what will you find? You will find that they, the children are lost and you only have to look around you and you will see the great destruction that has been done from single parenting. People who get married outside of wedlock and then they have to raise the child all alone and as for the other parent, he, doesn't, he or she doesn't care about that child and so you find that this child is in a very unhealthy environment. As for the institution of marriage in Islam, it is extremely important because it will keep that society a very healthy one. It will make it a very, a very strong society indeed. So obviously we can see from everything we have discussed so far that marriage is of utmost importance in Islam and there are huge benefits that can be attained in marriage. Of course, amongst the things that we are going to speak about is how to choose a spouse and how to court and how the marriage is contract is executed and so on and so forth. But before that, we want to tackle a very, very sensitive issue. A very important topic, one of great concern, especially to many of our youth. 
and I want you to listen carefully so that nobody gets the wrong idea from me. One of the problems that we are facing, especially in this day and age, whether it be in the Western world or it be in much of the Muslim world, is that we have youth who want to get married. We have youth who want to get married. And how could they not when we see all of the fitna, all of the temptations that are presented before them? Allah Azim, he walks out on the street and there is nothing but trouble waiting for you there. There is temptation for everyone out there. Actually, you don't even have to walk out on the street anymore. If you turn on the television, if you open a newspaper, if you open a magazine, there is fitna all over the place. So, of course, many of our youth, they have this desire to get married, but they have a big roadblock in front of them, and it is you, the parents. The parents who are preventing the children from getting married, and you are saying to them, but listen, you have to finish your education. Listen, you have to first get a job. Listen, you have to first buy a house. You have to first furnish that home. And after that, you can get married. So this throws the child off completely. Of course, many of them lose hope. They think, well, okay, let me see by the time I finish my education and I have a house and so on and so forth. But I'll be at the young age of 50 and ready to get married. Hey, nobody's willing to wait that long. So what does this do? This causes the youth to take one of two very dangerous paths. One of them is that they ignore the parents altogether. And they say, irrespective of what they have to say, I'm going to go and get married. And with Riyadh Billah, in many of the cases, and I'm speaking from experience, of course, what I have observed, those who get married in that way regret it for the rest of their lives. They live in misery because, in spite of their parents' opinion, they went and got married, and so one of the parents, or both of them, in the middle of the night, when the doors were open and the dua, the supplication was being ascend, would ascend and go towards Allah Azza wa Jal, they made a dua against their children. They told Allah, show that child of mine a miserable life because he or she did not listen to me. I did not permit him or her to get married. And in spite of that, they went ahead and they got married. So many of them lived a miserable life after that because of the fact that they did not respect the opinion of their parents. And another path that they take is that they involve themselves in a zina with Riyadh They say, well, if there's no other way, I mean, I have to do something. So they start committing zina, whether it be with themselves with Riyadh or with others outside. In other words, with themselves, what I mean by that is that they will resort to masturbation, which, by the way, is prohibited in Islam. Which is prohibited in Islam, although it is very much encouraged in the, uh, in the West amongst, uh, amongst the non-Muslims. And of course, uh, the issue of zina with others is widespread even amongst the Muslims here today. Look at our youth with Riyadh Billah and you will be amazed at how many of them have girlfriends, how many of them have boyfriends, how many of them are living with one another, how many of them are doing all kinds of things which anger Allah So the question arises, what is the solution? The solution is for all of us to return to the Book of Allah and the Sunnah of the Prophet I say to the children, respect your parents' opinion. Although your parents may prevent you from marrying now, except that perhaps with dua, perhaps with temptation, soon they will come around. And I find no excuse for you in getting married in spite of what your parents say, unless you truly fear that should you not get married, then you will most certainly fall into dinner. The clear? I'm saying do not disobey your parents except in that condition where you are absolutely certain that should you not get married, you will fall into the haram. Your parents made you wrong, but go ahead and respect them. Go ahead and obey them 
and you will see that the outcome, inshallah ta'ala, in this world as well as the hereafter, it will be nothing but good. If you find yourself really desiring marriage and they are preventing you, then before you resort to anything else, listen to the words of the Prophet He said that if you are not capable of doing so, whether it be that you cannot afford to do so, or you have an obstacle such as the one we mentioned, then resort to fasting. Let that be the first solution. And thereafter we will see what happens. And make sure that you take advice from the people of knowledge before you make any rash decision. As for the parents, then I say to the parents, hear Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala within yourselves. For if you prevent your children from getting married, if you prevent the children from getting married without just cause, without having a real valid excuse, then be rest assured, if they fall into any zina, if they do any haram, then you are responsible before they are responsible. Because you were the reason that they had to go to that. So fear Allah ta'ala. And for those of you parents who have that narrow-sightedness, those who have been brainwashed by the Western way of thinking, I say to you also fear Allah Listen to the words of Allah and listen to the words of the Prophet Many of the parents say that no, when you're finished with school, hey, can you imagine a youth goes to his parents and says, listen dad, listen mom, I want to get married, otherwise I fear that I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do something that Allah is not pleased with. And the parent says, no, 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 it's okay, go and have a girlfriend, go and have a boyfriend. Well, one here I know people who do that, what kind of people are these? They will be held accountable on the day of Qiyamah. Those parents, what is their excuse? The most common excuse. The most common excuse is you have to be saved or heard. You have to finish your education. You have to get a job. You have to, you have to. So everything is economic. We say to them, if truly a person wants to get married in order to preserve their chastity, then believe me, I will tell you from experience and I will tell you from observation that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will make a way out for them. You have to be serious about it. You have to have faith in Allah subhanahu ta'ala and be rest assured they will not go hungry and they will not starve and they will not live on the street. I swear by Allah that that is the case. How could it not be when Allah subhanahu ta'ala says, Allah subhanahu ta'ala says in the Quran, should they be poor, should they not be wealthy, then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will provide for them from his own bounty. A promise not from me, a promise from the Lord of the world, a promise from Ar-Razzaq, the one who ultimately provides one and all. How could it not be true what I am saying when the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, Salatatun haqqun ala Allahi awnuhum. He said alayhi salatu wa salam that there are three types of people it is their right that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will assist them. Allah ta'ala has taken it upon himself to assist these three categories of people. And he said amongst them, Al-Mujahidu fi sabirillah, the one who fights in the path of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, wal-mukatibu alladhi yuridu al-ada, and that slave who wants to buy his freedom from his master, and he has every intention of paying off his debt towards his master, Allah will assist him. And that individual who wants to marry in order to safeguard and in order to protect his chastity. So live with the words of Allah. Live with the words of the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Don't be fooled by those ignorant and those who brainwashed 
for the Western mentality that you have to have money, that you have to be wealthy before before getting married. We're not saying that they should live, you know, at pauper the rest of their life or anything of that nature, but we are saying what is more important to you? That they have a great deal of wealth and in the while while attaining that wealth, while earning that wealth, they commit zina, or would you prefer that they live a modest life while at the same time not angering Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? Answer that question for yourself. So I remind you once again, O parents, that it is your responsibility before Allah Azza wa Jal. So do not prevent your youth from marrying unless you have a valid reason, unless you have an extremely good reason for preventing them. Otherwise, they will grab a hold of you around your neck on the day of Qiyamah and you will have to answer to Allah Azza wa Jal. And perhaps as a result of that, you will be thrown into the hellfire. It is that serious indeed. And here also, I would like to advise our youth not to feel shy to speak to their parents. Go to your parents, discuss these issues with them. I know I grew up in this part of the world, so nobody thinks that he's coming, you know, he's just off the boat from somewhere, he doesn't know what he's talking about. I grew up here, in this part of the world, and as a youth, I understand what the problems are that you are facing. I have lived it all myself, but eventually, when I listen to the people of knowledge, then I realize that they, they indeed were giving the best advice. When they advise me to be open with my parents, to discuss with them this situation, to let them know why it is that I feel that I have to get married. Allahu Akbar. After I did, I did this, and after I turned to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, begging of him to soften the heart of the parents, then everything worked out very well. And it will be the case with you as well. Turn to Allah azza wa jal, beg of his assistance, and do the right thing. Whatever you do, don't allow yourself to go into the haram, as young as you may be. Don't think that because you're in grade 10, it's an impossibility to think about marriage. Yes, parents, perhaps your child is only in grade 10, and he or she comes to you and says, Dad, listen, I cannot take it. It is too much. First of all, you are the one who puts him in that school where they are inter, uh, intermingling freely with people of the opposite gender. So you have, you have to bear that responsibility as well. Realize that you are living in a time of fitna. Realize the consequences of you preventing that child from marrying. So I say to you, be reasonable and be logical. Make certain that you make the right decision. أقول قولي هذا وأستغفر الله لي ولكم ولسائر المسلمين فاستغفروه إنه هو الغفور الرحيم. الحمد لله رب العالمين والعاقبة للمتقين ولا عدوان إلا على الظالمين وأشهد أن لا إله إلا الله وحده لا شريك له وأشهد أن محمدا عبده ورسوله صلى الله عليه وعلى آله وصحبه ومن تبعهم بإحسان إلى يوم الدين أما بعد أجي برادز السيستر الإسلام now that we have established that marriage is extremely important and now that all of you have decided that inshallah you are going to marry soon uh, young and old if you are not married and even if you are married inshallah then we want to know about another great important matter and that matter is when I want to get married what type of spouse do I look for? What do I look for in a potential husband? And what do I look for in a potential, uh, potential wife? Generally, of course, it's sad, but this is what it boils down to. In our society today, amongst the Muslims as well as the non-Muslims, we look for beauty first and foremost on the list. And next usually is cultural background. If I'm an Arab, then my wife has to be an Arab. If I am from the Indian subcontinent, you have to be from there. Another matter is the big dollar. 
The guy hasn't got a good job? Forget it. I don't want him. This is usually what we find people. And believe me, because of the fact that this is, these are the criteria that we have when we are looking for spouses, so many of our marriages today are ending in failure. Too many. Absolutely too many. So then it's important for us to look. What is the guidance of the Messenger of Allah وسلم, on this matter? Believe me, there isn't anything in our lives except that the Messenger of Allah وسلم, has given us some guidance in, in it. As far as seeking out a potential spouse, then here also the Prophet وسلم, has taught us what to look for. Let us begin with a man. Not that we're favoring men over women, but it just comes that way. As far as the men are concerned, then very often we hear this hadith, but you know we only say the hadith and we forget about the hadith afterwards. Let me remind all of you of that hadith, in which the Prophet ﷺ reminded us of the different things that people do look for in a woman when they want to marry her, but which one is the most important of those qualities. He said alayhi salatu wasalam in that hadith, تُنْكَحُ الْمَرْأَةُ لِأَرْبَعِينَ that a woman is usually sought after in marriage for four things, for four reasons. لِمَالِهَا for her wealth. وَلِحَسَبِهَا for her social status. وَلِجَمَالِهَا for her beauty. وَلِدِينِهَا and for her religious commitment. When we think about these, yes. The first three, undoubtedly most people look at them. And perhaps the one they look at the most is جَمَالِهَا her beauty. This is a reality. This is a reality. Most people, they look for this. This is number one on the list. However, the Prophet wasallam told us, and this is a part of the hadith you want to remember, So look for the one with deen. Look for the one that has that commitment to her religion. Then, inshallah, you will be successful. Remember, it's when a person gets married. You're looking at a life partner. This person is either going to be a source of happiness or a source of misery for you. And the Prophet alayhi salatu he mentioned this in the hadith. So he said in that hadith, فَمِنَ السَّعَادَةِ الْمَرْأَةُ الصَّالِحَةِ تَرَاهَا فَتُعْجِبُهُ وَتَغِيبُ عَنْهَا فَتَأْمَنُهَا عَلَى نَفْسِهَا وَمَالِكِ So he said, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, as for those things which are a source of happiness, and he mentioned several of them, because one of them is a good wife, a righteous wife, that one when you look at her, she pleases you. And don't understand here that narrow meaning of looking at her. That when you look at her and she's beautiful and she's outstanding and she looks like the best of models or even better than them, then you will be pleased. Wallahi, summa wallah. I know people who have perhaps the most beautiful of wives, but if they look at their wife, they want to run the other way. It is not only the physical beauty. There is more to beauty than that. You know, the expression says, beauty is only indeed. That when he looked at her, then he is pleased and he is happy when he looked at her. And they said, don't think about looking at the wife only in that sense of the beauty of that wife. And when you are away, when you are absent, when you are away from your wife, then the Prophet said, you trust her with regard to herself and your property. In other words, if you leave on a trip, if you're not in a home, you don't have any doubts and so on and so forth about your wife. You don't have all those whispers, oh, is she going to let somebody in that she shouldn't be letting in? Is she going out without my permission, etc., etc.? Is she stealing from my wealth? Is she doing things with her money that she should not be doing? All of these things a man will not have any worries about. 
and on the other hand, he said, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, that from the sources of misery, is that he is a wife. The one that when you look at her, you are completely displeased, no matter how beautiful she may be. Because you know of her poor character, because you know how she is with others, and the way that she deals with others, and so on and so forth. That she is very loose and promiscuous. She is free with other men. This is a thought of misery indeed. For when you leave your home in your absence, you have no idea what she is doing behind your back. And therefore the Prophet wasallam he mentioned three types of people that when they beg of Allah, when they supplicate, when they make dua, their dua will not be accepted. And he mentioned amongst them a man who has an evil wife. A wife, and by evil wife here it means a wife who, a wife who is promiscuous. He knows that she doesn't uh, take care in the way that she deals with other men. She is very free with other men. That if he does not divorce her, then Allah does not accept his dua. How many of us were aware of that? As well, from amongst the things that we should look for in a woman is that she has good character. For in another hadith, the Prophet said, that choose those women who have that religious commitment and also have good character. And of course, everybody understands why you would want a wife who has good character, one who will treat you well, one who is kind and who is gentle, one who does not speak back to you, etc., etc. Everybody knows why it is that you would want to have, uh, why you would want to have a wife with good character. There are other things that many people don't look at, and because unfortunately, again, we have been brainwashed by the West, and we think that these things are primitive. However, they are from our deen. The Prophet wasallam, he told us that we should choose and we should seek out those women who will give us many children. Because as we said, from amongst the most important purposes of marriage is reproduction. So then choosing that young woman, the one who is fertile, the one who will give us many children, this is one of the qualities we should be looking for in that woman. And of course this is known by looking, for example, at her family and you will be, get an idea as to, as to how many uh, children they have. Perhaps in some families they have a problem with infertility and so on and so forth. So this is also one of the things we look at. But the Prophet wasallam he guided us towards that. Also, from good character comes a woman with, loving act, with a loving attitude. You want to have a woman who is not very hard. And this also you can tell by looking at the environment in which she is brought up, by looking at her family and so on and so forth. As well, you want a woman who is going to be content. So not one who are very materialistic. For there are many, uh, there's many a man who marries a woman who is never content. The more he gives her, the more she asks for. And so it is important that when a person wants to get married, she tries to find out beforehand whether this is a woman who is content with little or not. Otherwise, it may lead to many, many problems afterwards. Now, we said at the beginning, the Prophet mentioned several uh, characteristics that people look for in a woman uh, before they want to marry that woman. Among them he mentioned beauty. I don't want anybody to understand that we are not to look for beauty in a woman. We said though that this issue of beauty is a secondary is a secondary issue. It is not the most important thing. But yes, a person has to look for beauty as well. But within reason. So thing that you're gonna find with someone with no blemishes on her face and she's gonna be perfect and so on and so forth. No. But somebody who is reasonably good looking, of course, you want to marry somebody like that. You don't want to wake up in the morning thinking that you are still in your nightmare. So, of course, you would want to make sure that you find somebody who is attractive, otherwise you will feel repulsed by her. You will not want to go anywhere near her. So, we should be reasonable, as we said, Islam is a very practical religion. And last but not least, we want to look for compatibility. You want to find a woman who has things in common with you. There are many times that you find people getting married and they are from 
two completely different cultures and they don't understand one another's culture. I want that to be clear. I'm not saying that we should be racist and we should discriminate based on you know, background and so on and so forth. Because many people make a blanket statement and they say that mixed marriages, and what they mean by that, is when people from one country or one culture marry into another culture, but that marriage is doomed to failure. And I say that no, this is incorrect. The reality is that the problems arise when they don't understand one another's culture. But can you imagine a person who's grown up all his life, for example, in the West, and then he, he's used to a certain type of life. He's used to a certain type of entertainment. He's used to different types of foods now. Like, you know, he, he likes pizza and nachos and whatever else. And then he gets a woman from back home, just off the boat. She has no idea about this culture. They cannot, I mean, they are completely incompatible. Maybe they have good religious commitment and so on and so forth, but they are not on the same level. And he is in one valley, he's in another. They may not even have the same language. So many problems could result from that. He cooks food that he is completely, you know, he cannot eat it. He doesn't know what it is. He doesn't even know how to eat it. And he asks for something and he cannot provide for him. So this is what we mean by compatibility, that they have similar interests and so on and so forth. And as to how you can find out all of these things, of course, inshallah ta'ala, we will discuss that the next time because our, uh, our time not only is running out, it is already run out. But in order to be fair to the sisters who want to talk about certain things very briefly that they would look for in a defenseless spouse. Basically, they are the same. Actually, they are more or less the same. And we want to emphasize here the issue of religious commitment and the, and the issue of character. The problem with us here is that many of the fathers, many of the brothers, when a man comes to propose to the daughter, the first thing they say is, what job do you have? What qualifications? We want to see the degrees and the certificates, and perhaps I know situations where they want to see the bank statements before anything else. And it is because of that that there is so much corruption and destruction across, across the land. The Prophet ﷺ, he warned us of this. He warned us of this when he told us, إِذَا أَتَاكُمْ إِذَا أَتَاكُمْ مَنْ تَرْضَوْنَ دِينَهُ وَخُرُقَهُ فَزَوِّجُوهُ إِلَّا تَفْعَلُوا تَكُنْ فِتْنَةٌ فِي الْأَرْضِ وَفَتَادٌ عَرِيرٌ The Prophet ﷺ has most certainly spoken the truth. He said, if someone comes to you seeking marriage, if a man comes to propose to your wife, to your, to your, uh, to your daughter, you come to propose to your sister, and you are pleased with his character, and of course before that you are